we've been doing Year of the Bible for a minute now, right? So if you haven't been doing this, we were going on this journey with Year of the Bible where we're going through it and reading it a year. If you haven't been doing it, jump on now. You can have like a half year of the Bible or whatever, whatever fraction we're at right now. But I think you've noticed something when you're going through the Bible. At least I've noticed it. Hopefully you have. This, this book here is not, not really always in sequential order. Has anyone picked up on that? Like for me, that's okay because I think in circles. I actually mow the yard in circles. It's so frustrating to my wife and probably my neighbors to watch me driving around in circles in the yard. Y'all mow these. Some of you are like, raise your hand if you're an Excel document person. If you like Excel, <laughs> yeah, nerds. So that's good. You, you guys think in order. Tim, Force Matrix, you guys think in order, right? You think A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You're probably all real successful too. Uh, and, and then there's people like me who just kind of, you know, I, I think like this. And so the Bible not being in sequential order, it doesn't bother me a whole lot, but, it, but it's good for you to know because today we're moving from the book of Acts to the book of Romans. And Romans was not like, so at the end of Acts, it looked, Paul's going to Rome, right? If you just finished Acts, Paul's going to Rome. And then we start the book of Romans. That's not in order. Somewhere between, if you can imagine a timeline, somewhere between Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 28, Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome, which he had not yet visited. He hadn't been there yet. And that letter is what we call the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, there, there's not really a lot of books in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. There's a whole bunch of letters that we then combine into one book that we call the Bible. And so Romans is a letter that Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he hasn't been there yet. Now, he'll go there eventually, but he'll go there as a, as a prisoner under house arrest. He's got one of those, he's got like an ankle bracelet, except for they didn't have a lot of technology, so it was just sort of a chain attached to a camel. It's, it's in there. You'll read about it. Don't worry about it. And so, so Paul's writing this letter to the church at Rome, and this is a relatively new church, and it's made up of Jewish, Jewish believers who've just become Christians, and it's made up of, of pagans, people who've just been worshiping, you know, goats or sons or whatever. And so the church at Rome is made up of all these different kinds of people, and when people come into a church, they always bring their stuff, right? And so Paul writes this letter because he wants them to hold on to the true, real gospel, the one passed from Jesus to Paul's friends, Peter and James and John. And so Paul writes this letter and says, I need you guys to hold on to the truth. It's important. You got this cool church. It's growing. That's great. But do not let go of the truth. And Paul is a reliable, he's a reliable source of the truth because Paul knew the guys who knew the guy. You know what I mean? He knew the guys who knew Jesus. And so Paul has a reliable testimony of what the truth is. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome, and that is the book of Rome, Romans. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to travel down some very specific passages in the book of Romans. It's actually a few passages that I like to call the Romans road to salvation. I just came up with that. <laughs> you know what I love about this church? Is about 40% of you know what I'm talking about. And I mean it, I love it. Ray, matter of fact, and this is no embarrassment, raise your hand if you have ever heard of the Romans road to salvation. Great, look at that. About, well, that's about 30%, I love it. So I've got two audiences in this, and this is why it's so fun. I've got two audiences in this room right now. I've got one group of people who've never heard this before. 
And so over the next three weeks, you and I are going to take a journey together and we're going to learn about salvation and we're going to learn about God's love for you and we're going to learn about grace and we're going to learn about how you should approach the world with the good news that you've got. And we're going to be transformed and we're going to be changed. And then I've got another group of you. Raise your hands again if, if you've actually heard of it before. I want to know exactly who I'm talking to. All right, good. So you guys were brought up in church, right? And, and, and so what we're going to do together is we're going to take some old-time religion, right? You're going, I can't believe Tommy's about to preach on Romans Road to Salvation. We're going to take some old-time religion, and we're going to bring it to the world today. And this is what we who know the old truth should do. We should make it relevant for a new generation. What, what we tend to do is say, well, this is it. You boy, why don't they get it anymore? But no, that doesn't matter. It's not their job to learn our language. It's our job to learn their language. And so we're going to take this old, incredible, beautiful truth, and we're going to drive it, but we're, we're, not, we're not driving the Romans Road in your 1976 station wagon, okay? We're in a 2019 Dodge Ram with a Hemi, and we're going to hit this thing. It's going to be different. We're not doing the same thing the same way. The old-time religion, polished, not changed because God never changes. We don't add to it or subtract from it. We don't have to. But the old story made new for a new generation. This is what we are called to do. And so the Romans road to salvation is basically uh, cliff notes. It's the short story of of how you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the short story of, of salvation, of how God did it, of what it does for you, of how you receive it. But there's probably no like secret pathway you have to take to get to God. I'm not saying that you don't have to do these things in the exact order. It's not like a, a, some sort of secret chant where you, you know, somehow summon God into existence. That's not what this is. This is a series of passages that we will all experience on our path to experience an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I have the privilege and pleasure of walking you guys, driving you guys. Mine's got a stick shift. It's actually more like a diesel. I have the pleasure of driving you guys down this road. Romans 3.23 is the first stop on the Romans road to salvation. And it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'll see you guys next week. Stop there. Have a good day. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the first stop on the road. And this stop is important because I read some statistics on this this week. It said that, that three-fourths of Americans believe that by nature they are good. Meaning that they, they, believe, they believe that they sin a little, but by nature they are good. Three-fourths of Americans, that translates into like... Um, a percent, that translates into a, a percent that's high. Three-fourths, I don't use all those sixes in here, three-fourths of a percent. That's a lot of people. Most Americans believe that by nature, they are good. But that's indirect, and this is important because we live in a world where, where you know, our babies are perfect and all this stuff. But that's in direct conflict with the message in this book. We say, by nature, we are good. The Bible, through Paul, in Romans 5.12, says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people 
because all sinned. So what Paul would say is that all have sinned, that we are born sinful, that even in our mother's wombs, we were sinners. Some of you, you think your, your baby is perfect. Yours isn't. Mine is. Yours is not. We are born sinful people because of the sin of one man, Adam, and that's Adam and Eve from the Bible. All men and women are born sinful. And let, let me give you an out here. And this is not to offend in anybody, but if you don't believe in a literal story of Adam and Eve, okay, can you still believe that the sin of the world has corrupted the whole world? Can you believe that the sin of, of men have corrupted all men? The sin of women have corrupted all women. That we are born sinful into a sinful world because this world is so incredibly full of sin. You don't have to buy the creation story. I believe the creation story. You don't have to, to believe that all people are born sinful. By nature, we are not good. We're sinners. God created this incredible world. And into this world, he, he allowed us to have free will and choice. And so where there is right, there must be wrong, right? I mean, you can't, you can't choose right if wrong is not an option. And so God gave us choice. He gave us a yin and a yang, a right and a wrong. And we chose wrong. E even if you didn't believe you were stained by the first man's sin, haven't you sinned? If you haven't sinned, you have a legitimate beef with God, and I would take it up with him. But if you, if you have, then all have sinned. Luke, Luke 19, 10, Luke, uh, who, who wrote this, this letter after getting to know the guys who knew Jesus, he said this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. John 3.16 John, John 3, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever might believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Do you know what these two verses tell me? We are lost without Christ. We perish without Christ. He came to seek and save the lost. That tells me there were some lost people. He came, he came to give people life. That tells me there were some people without life. And so what we have to understand is there is sin in the world, and we are all infected with the sin gene, all of us. No matter how perfect you think you are, we all have sin. It's just, it's just who we are in the world. And so that's the first stop. The second stop is equally as fun. In Romans 6.23, it says this. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. In step one... And in the first stop, we acknowledge there is sin in the world. In the second stop, we acknowledge the damage sin has done. The wages, the result, the consequence of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God forever. And, and, and some people say, well, that, why would a good God condemn people to hell? Why would a good God put people in hell? That, that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't say the punishment for sin is death. It doesn't say the repercussions. of. It says the wages. You know what a wage is? Something you have earned. It says sin earns death. God's gift is free life through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. We have earned death through our sin. The wages, what we got for what we did. The wages of sin 
is death. That's why John 3.17 is so important. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you know why God did not send his son into the world to condemn it? Because the world was already condemned. Jesus didn't need to show up to condemn a world that was already condemned. He didn't need to show up to kill a world that was already dead. He didn't come to the world to condemn it. He he came to save it. But most people don't believe that their sin is that bad, right? As a matter of fact, uh, 74% of Americans believe that their particular sin has no spiritual consequences. They believe that their sin shouldn't have caused eternal death. And you know why they believe that? Comparison, right? They compare their sins to people out there who don't know Jesus. It's like, compare, all right, so my brother Jeff compared to me was really, 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 really good. Okay, my brother Jeff compared to me, comparison, Jeff was really, really good. Amen. As a matter of fact, about 75% of you compared to me were really, 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 really good. But 25% of y'all compared to me, y'all were really bad. (laughs) All right? 25% of y'all were a lot worse than me. I know your story. In comparison, it's like like it it doesn't matter because there's always someone worse. So we spend so much time thinking we're better than, it doesn't matter how much better you are than somebody else, you're still dead. How many of you think you could jump further than me? Just raise your hand. I'll be honest. Be honest. You think you could jump further than me? That's good. Mom, you cannot. (laughs) There's there's no way. You wouldn't even be close. All right, so if you think you can jump further than me, let me tell you this. If you and I both tried to jump across the Grand Canyon, you might get further than me, but guess what? We're both dead. (laughs) It doesn't matter that you jumped a foot. Congratulations! It doesn't matter because we're both dead, right? It's not about comparison. If both people are dead, what are you comparing yourselves to? We got to understand this. Sin. All sin kills. Sin, all sin, steals life. That's why John 10.10, Jesus said something that was incredibly profound. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life. He said, I have come so that dead people, because the implication is if he had to show up for us to have life, we weren't alive before he got here. Right? We have turned on the air conditioner so that you might have air. The implication is without the air conditioner, you would not have air, right? He came so that we might have life, meaning without him, we were dead. So the first two stops on the Romans' road to salvation are this. All have sinned, and sin leads to death. Right? That's pretty, that's pretty good, good stopping place. That's fun stuff. What do we do with this information? What, what do we do with it? 
See, this, this is what I've been wanting to get to for like a year since I decided I was going to preach on the Romans. What do we do with all have sinned and all sin leads to death? Because historically, what I think the church has done is walked around calling a dead world sinners. I think we've used these verses to try to condemn. We've used these verses to try to scare the hell out of people, hoping that, that if, they, if they see their sin enough, they'll somehow realize they're sinners and then they'll come to love Jesus. We've used these passages to do exactly what Christ did not come to do. We've used these passages to condemn a world that's already condemned. And so maybe this is where we should try something a little different. Guys, part of my goal in here, some Sundays in here, is to, is to allow you to feel conviction for sin. So I talk about things. I talk about sin in hopes that you will feel some conviction for your sin and my sin. And so I talk openly and honestly about whatever sin I'm doing, whether it's pride or greed or lust or any other vanity, whatever. I talk about sin so that we will feel conviction for sin. I do that in here. In here, in a room full of people, many of whom already know Jesus Christ, all of whom who have decided to come here by their free will, except for maybe some of the little kids, all of you have decided to come in here. In here, I talk about sin. In here, I, I talk about the problems sin caused. In here, we, we talk about the damage done because we believe in here that sin kills and we desire life and we want to be free. So in here, we get real open and we get real honest in the case and we step on some toes and we deal with sin because we believe that sin kills humility and maturity and generosity and community. We believe that in a place where everyone needs Jesus and everyone is our responsibility, we should try to live like Jesus. So in here... We talk about sin openly, honestly, and unapologetically in here. But out there, I don't talk the same way. As a matter of fact, some Sundays I'm preaching messages where I'm specifically seeking the one who does not know Jesus. And when I preach that message, I never preach on sin. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, to the church at Rome. He wrote his letter to Christians, to people who already believed in Jesus. He didn't send this letter out and say, oh, you pagans, you read Romans. He didn't post this letter on Facebook to try to condemn the world. He shared that message inside the body of Christ because Paul believed what I believe. Out there, we should speak differently. And here... We do what we have to do. In here, we believe that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we believe that our sin caused death, and we believe the only reason that we're allowed to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ is because he chose us. And because he woke us up to know him. And because his grace pursued us. And we said, yes, it's all him. In here, we believe it's all him. He's done all the work. All we did was say yes to a free offer. In here, we believe that we're here because he wanted us here. But out there, we believe they're chosen too. And we believe he wants them too. And we don't believe it's our job to convict them of their sin. Listen to what it says in John 16a. This is good, man. This is Jesus, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says... When he comes, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, 
He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Just when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of their sin. So whose job is it to convict the world of their sin? It's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit will turn the world on to Jesus Christ. What we have to make sure we do is that we don't turn the world off before the Holy Spirit turns them on. That's our job in this house. Our job here is to make sure we haven't turned them off before he's gotten in there and turned them on. Our job is to stay out of his way, <laughs> like to love people. Our job is to go and to love sinners, to love people who are different than us, to love people who don't believe what we, you know how one of the most beautiful things about Jesus, he was relationally close to people that were morally distant from him. Isn't that amazing? And he never led with the sin. He always led with the grace. That is what we are called to do. Go and win a world. Stop telling a dead world they're dead. That's not our job. We don't stand around and condemn people who are already good. What we do is show them a model of life that is so compelling and so beautiful that they can't resist it. We don't tell them, oh, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. We show them life. The world is so sick of hearing what we're against. Tell them about the one we're for. It's a big difference. It's totally different. They don't care about your views on 8,000. Just show them Jesus. Just show them Jesus. Put down your sign and pick up a peace offering, man. Go love somebody. Show them. Show them. For too many years, the church took these passages and used it as a stick to beat people to death. I do not believe that's what Christ intended. I do not believe that's what Christ intended. In here, family talk. We handle what we have to handle. But out there, we will so love the world that they will know that God gave his very life that they may have life. And that is the way we win. It is not compelling to point out death to dead people. It's compelling to show them life. So the question is not how bad is their sin. Yeah, I'm going to say this. So the, the church... <laughs> so too many times, like, we're so panicked. You know what I hear about? Oh, the world is doing this. The world with those people, or those people, or those people. These people are messing up marriage, or these people are messing Just stop, just stop. I don't care. Don't tell me that. I don't care. You know who's messing us up? Us. Like, quit worrying about what they're doing wrong and start living like you know what's right. Really. Watch what would happen if just this group of people in this community right now, if just, just us, we decided that we would love in a fearless way that might cost us everything. Show them life. Show them life. This is the Romans road. This is the road we're gonna travel and next week is gonna be an incredible amount of grace. So I would tell you this, if you're here today for the first time and you're like, I'm pretty sure this guy said condemned 19 times, I want you to know this that you are not here by accident. You are chosen and you are sacred and you are special and you are worthy and God loves you more than you will ever understand. You are, you are worthy of everything we're gonna get you. You're not worthy of him, neither are we, but you're worthy of everything we're gonna give you.
because you are our guest in this house. But come back. And if you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus, please invite them next week because next week we're going to hit the grace. We are going to preach Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and Christ is coming back again and he's changing the world. Bring them back next week and give us a shot at them. I've, I've figured out something that I probably should have figured out a long time ago. I cannot save a soul. I can't do it. I cannot save a soul. But I can get in the Savior's way. This week... Just don't get in his way. Just love him. With all you have, with all you've got, love him in the way he's loved you and let God be God.